Okay, we're in chapter 10. And we're looking at the issue of righteousness contrasted with wickedness. Now remember, we've entered into a new section now of the book of Proverbs. We've entered into a new section. Before, we were dealing with thoughts, and it was Solomon writing specifically to his son. Now we're getting into chapters 10 through 15, where we're dealing with individual proverbs of Solomon. Before it was thoughts, so it could have been whole paragraphs. Now we're dealing with individual verses or two or three verses that convey a thought. And so we've been kind of going through them. And I told you that there's a consistency in the sense that there is no consistency. They're just kind of put together. There's not a, in our mind, we can't see a structure as to why he put them the way he put them. But what you will see is, is that a lot of them will deal with certain topics. So, for instance, last week, a lot of times we dealt with the topic of speech. How you speak. Or behavior. Or rewards. Things like that. So that's what we're going to look at today. And so as we start off, first of all, in verse 18, looking at verse 21, we're going to take this as a section. What we're going to see here are individual Proverbs, once again, dealing with the topic of what? Speech. So let's look here. Notice what he says. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. And the heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many. But fools die for the lack of wisdom. So, let's take a look here. First of all, in verse 18, he's going to talk about lies and slander. Lies and slander. First thing I want you to notice is this. When a person hates someone but tries not to show it, he is often forced to lie. When a person hates someone but tries not to show their hatred, he is often forced to lie. And, you know, this is very common. This is, happens when people start holding grudges and bitterness towards people. I remember very distinctly in my, my early years of pastoring a gentleman who could not stand somebody else in the church. Well, because if somebody else would joke at their expense, they were coarse jester. Have you ever had somebody that jokes at the expense of others? Okay, they'll belittle you and just think it's all funny and stuff and expect you to laugh as they belittle you and so forth. And so this one gentleman did that. Well, this one gentleman did it to this other gentleman. And he laughed, but on his heart he was hating that guy who made fun of him. He loathed him. He wished he was dead. I know this because he told me. Now, when they were together at church, they would act like everything was normal. Act like everything was normal. In fact, I even, I even took it upon myself to go to the guy who was joking and say to him, you know, you need to quit joking because people will hate you. What, they can't take a joke? Well, not at the expense of someone else they can't. You know, and, and literally, this is what happens. When you hate someone but you try to hide it, you're lying. That's what Proverbs is saying. There's, there's no other way to say it. You're lying. 
You're living a lie. You're not being truthful. You might be here today. So let's, let's bring some application here today. You might be here today, and there is somebody that you hate. You despise. You're angry with. You hope something happens to them. I'm just being that real. But when you're with them, they don't know it. Oh, you're just all smiles. You're just like everything's normal. In fact, if you were to go up to them and say, do you know that so-and-so has a problem with you? Oh, no, man, I was just with him yesterday. We were fishing together. We were having a great time. What do you mean? The fact is, is that if you don't tell the truth and you're hiding your hatred and stuff, what does Proverbs say about you? Yeah, you're a liar. You're a liar. Now, notice something. The next thing the verse tells us, because there's two different thoughts here now in that verse, verse 18, whoever spreads slander is a fool. <clears throat> Here's what he noticed, says about this. A fool is characterized by slander. A fool is characterized by slander. Fool is characterized by slander. Listen, what's a fool in Proverbs, first of all? So it's not a foolish person, but what is a fool in Proverbs? Unbeliever. So let me think about that for a moment. Here's how Proverbs specifically describes it. I'm saying a fool is characterized by slander. Proverbs goes and says this. Notice what he says, verse 18. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. Here he's saying that if you talk about people slanderously, you're like an unbeliever. You are like an unbeliever. Think about that. Now, how many of us want to be termed an unbeliever? None of us. You know, and, and to be called a fool, nobody wants to be called a fool, but if you spread slander about others, it describes you as an unbeliever here. So two things in this verse. So it talks about if you hide hatred in your heart, you're a liar. And if you spread slander about others, you're like an unbeliever. You're like an unbeliever. So then notice now, verse 19, it talks about controlled speech now. Controlled speech. Notice a couple things here now. Here's what it says. Constant talking will eventually lead to sin and get a person into trouble. Constant talking will eventually lead to sin and get a person into trouble. Notice what verse 19 says. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. When you have someone who cannot control their mouth, it's going to eventually lead to what? Sin. Sin. Another, other commentaries, commentators see it this way as well. They say that there's a lot of talking to cover sin. You know, when, you, when you're involved in sin, you, 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 uh, you kind of blow smoke at people to, to kind of hide the issue. But the whole point is that there's a lack of control of speech here. And it will get you into trouble. And then the next part of it, notice the contrast now. The contrast is this. A wise person, a wise man, knows to control his tongue. A wise man knows to control his tongue. So if you've got someone, remember I gave you the illustration last week about the person who just spoke their mind and just said it like it is and, you know, I, I just, you know, just blah, 
Just saying it like it is. Remember I told you the Bible describes that person as a fool? Here we go again. In a multitude of talking is what? Problems. You're going to have problems. You're going to get yourself in trouble. There's sin. Here it says, a wise person, what? Controls their speech. Controls their tongue. Knows when to speak and knows when not to speak. It's quiet. Okay? It's quiet. So now notice now we're going to talk about verse 20. We're going to talk about valuable speech. So look at verse 20 now. And notice what he says there. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. A couple things I want you to see here. The uplifting words of the righteous are valued like choice silver. The uplifting words of the righteous are valued like choice silver. Think about that for a moment. You probably know in your life someone that if you got with, you know they're going to make you feel good because they're always an encouragement. You know what I mean? There's probably somebody in your life that whenever you talk with them, that it's always a positive experience because they just build you up. Do you know what I'm saying? They just build you up. You also know, on the other hand, that there are some people that if you get with them, they'll always tear you down. They'll always, their words just like, just make mincemeat out of you. They're just so negative, it just affects you. In fact, you don't want to be around people like that, do you? In fact, you'll make comments like this. Oh, I've got to go see them again. Pray for me. Pray that I get out of there. Okay? Isn't that what we say? Pray for me. I'm going to see so-and-so. You know, but you don't say that kind of thing when it's an uplifting person. Oh, pray for me that I get more excited than I usually get when I'm with them. You know, the righteous words, the, the uplifting words of a righteous person are like choice silver. Man, you crave that. You crave someone to lift you up. So then notice the next thing there. Here's, the, here's his point. Solomon makes a great point. He's not just talking about speech here in this one. He says this, even the thoughts of the wicked, not even the thoughts of the wicked have value. Not even the thoughts of the wicked have value. Not even those thoughts. Not even the thoughts of the wicked have value. So here's how worthless the speech of, 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 of a wicked person is. They're so worthless that not even their thoughts have any value. Isn't that interesting? The very thoughts have no value at all. So that says something about their speech, huh? It says something about their speech. And then notice verse 21 now. We're going to talk about edifying speech. Notice what it says in verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die for the lack of wisdom. Here's what he's saying. Righteous words benefit others spiritually, whereas the fool benefits no one. Righteous words benefit others spiritually, whereas the fool benefits no one. Whereas the fool benefits no one. Have you noticed, I mean, I don't watch very much television, but occasionally I do get the opportunity to, and... Have you noticed that there's a lot of stuff on there that's just as plain worthless in a sense of... I'm not talking about the sexual stuff. Forget that. I'm just talking about it in the sense of... It's like mind-numbing mind candy. There's a difference between candy and food. Does everybody understand that? 
There's a difference between, you know, a full-course meal that's going to feed you and strengthen you and a peppermint. Peppermint gives you a lasting, you know, whatever for a moment. Now, that's the way some television is. Not just television, that's the way some magazines are. Not just magazines, that's the way some books are. That's the way some radio programs are. They're just plain worthless. Because they're not doing anything for you. It's just stuff that's floating out there. And inundating your mind with nothingness. It's worthless. See, this is what Solomon's talking about as far as speech. Righteous words will what? They will benefit you spiritually. But the fool, when he speaks, does it benefit you at all? No, there's no benefit from it. So what are you trying to tell me about TV? I think you guys need to remember, let me just, TV, magazines, books, radio, the majority of what you guys are hearing comes from who? Unsaved people. We need to remember that, don't we? People who actually don't hold the values that you do. Yes, fools, Mike says. In fact, people who, can I be honest with you, are actually opposed to your values. Now, let's look at the blessing of wealth. Look at verse 22 now. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So here's the blessing of wealth. Wealth given by the Lord, wealth given by the Lord is not accompanied by tragedies of ill-gotten gain. When you have somebody who is getting his stuff by wrong things, wrong wrong methods and so forth, there's always a price to be paid. Always a price to be paid. But wealth that is gotten by the Lord, that the Lord has blessed you with, tragedies aren't involved with that. You know, I, you know as I'm thinking about this, how many of you remember, oh, I think it's been five or six years ago, the guy in West Virginia who won the big lottery. And how he made the news was, he was already a millionaire anyhow. And he won the lottery. And then he gave a, a tithe to two different churches. To one Baptist church and one Church of God church. One of the pastors said, we're not taking it. Uh, you know, somebody handed you a check for $30 million, would you take it? It would be an awful, awful struggle, wouldn't it? I mean, a tithe off of $300 million, you'd kind of wonder. Well, anyhow, I have watched his life over the last few years because he intrigued me because his, quote, this Christian going buying lottery tickets and he wins, okay, and he wins a big one. In the last five years, he's lost his wife, he's lost his family, his granddaughter died of overdose, he's been robbed several times, people have broken into his house, his, everything he's ever done has been on, on the front page of papers, do you think he matches this verse? Did you ever think that when he bought that ticket, he would think that those things would happen to him? The gambling's not right. Gambling's not right. Well, it's benefiting. It's benefiting college scholarships. Can I be honest with you? I just saw the latest statistic. It's not the poor who are receiving those college scholarships. Think about that the next time you buy a ticket. Think about that next time you buy a ticket. So, the blessing of wealth. Wealth given by the Lord is not accompanied by the tragedies of ill-gotten gain. Here's good and evil pleasure. Look at verse 23. 
To do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. So here's what he's saying. A fool finds pleasure in sinning, whereas the wise prefer wisdom. Have you noticed that with the fool, the unbeliever, and I hate to say it with some who call themselves Christians, there is a almost an excitement to go get in trouble, to do the wrong thing. Have you ever noticed that? They're just looking to do the wrong thing. It's a sport to them. This is what Solomon's saying. See, nothing's changed in 3,000 years. Humanity is the same. Humanity is the same. People are the same. And there are some people, the more stuff that they can get into, the better. Do you know what I'm saying? The more stuff that they can get into, the better. And here's another something. He describes them again as a what? A fool. Now, why do you think he keeps calling them a fool when they do these things? Remember what a fool is. Why do you think he keeps... He doesn't say the scumbag finds, you know what I'm saying. He says the fool. Why do you think he says the fool? Why does he want it to make make a point that this is an unbeliever. Okay, if that's your desire, you better check and see if you are a believer. That's good, Bruce. But here's another point I want you to make. Because when you talk about a fool, an unbeliever, they have no concept of God or want to have a concept of God. Therefore, they don't feel that they're accountable to anybody. You understand? Remember what Psalm says? The fool has said in his heart, there is what? No God. So they're going to do what they want to do. And so you see that here. Now, a wise person, though, seeks wisdom. Isn't seeking pleasure and stuff that's going to find and bring tragedy. Now, look. Look now at verse 24. We're going to talk about the prospect for life. Again, he's going to change the thought here. The fear of the wicked will come upon him. And the desire of righteousness the desire of the righteous will be granted. Here's the prospect. Many wicked people dread calamity and they'll receive it. Have you noticed the very people who are seeking after stuff to do wrong are scared of something happening? You ever notice that? The very people who are doing the wrong stuff are the very same people who are scared of dying. Very same people who are always afraid of something terrible happening to them. This is what Psalm is pointing out. See, because they're living for the moment. Because they don't think there's anything beyond. You understand that? If you don't believe there's a God, you don't think, you think when you die, that's it. You're just dust. Worms will eat you. And you don't think of anything beyond that. So you're living for now. You're living for the moment. And so you're, you're, you're terrified of what? Calamity. Tragedy. Now notice something here. Notice what he says. Here's what he says about the righteous. The righteous often receive what they want, namely blessing. The righteous, compared to this guy who's worried about stuff happening... The righteous are actually confident. The righteous are secure because they know that their inheritance, their lot in life is going to be blessing. Now, you know, if we left off that bottom part there, namely blessing, you would have an argument with me. 
The righteous receive what they want. Because you'd say, George, I ain't getting what I want. What do you mean by that? That's an empty promise. No, no. You have to understand something. The Bible's not talking about you increasing your bank account or increasing the amount of toys and stuff and stuff you're storing in your attic and stuff you're storing in your barn and building more barns to store all that stuff. Okay. It's talking about you'll receive what you want. And here's what you really want. Blessing. Blessing. I was reading last night. I'm reading a book by John Piper. And last night he was talking about, from Jeremiah, the Lord saying to the people of Israel, you are doing two evils. And I'll tell you the one evil that he said. Because I didn't get to the second evil yet. But the first evil was that they had exchanged the free-flowing stream of the Lord. The refreshing, free-flowing stream of the Lord. And hewn out, that is, dug out their own cisterns in rock that hold no water. See, they exchanged the refreshment of God for stuff that they would seek on their own that doesn't hold any refreshing water. Can't hold any water. And you know what? As I was reading that last night, I thought, you know, God, that is so true. You offer us blessing. You offer us blessing. Refreshing blessing. Lord, you are the satisfier of our soul. Remember we looked at that last week, the satisfier of our soul? But here we are. We're hewing out our own cisterns to gather rainwater. And and they're leaking. They're leaking. And so we're trying to find our satisfaction in everything else. New vehicle. New job. You know, this, that, or another. And it doesn't bring the satisfaction, does it? It doesn't bring it. See, that's what the righteous are doing. And so they're always worried about something happening wrong. Let me ask you a question. Who are you like? What are you talking about, George? Who are you like? Are you like the wicked person we just talked about that's worried about something bad happening? Or are you like the righteous who knows that you're going to get what you want, which is blessing from God? And what do you mean? I still don't get it, George. Well, let me ask you a question. You've got your plans about what you want to do. You've got you in your mind you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And, you know, if everything works out right, A, B, C, you're going to get D, and everything's wonderful. Unless pink slip comes. Unless you have a Kernsville barrel and you know there's going to be a millage increase because they're behind in the, you know, in the budget. You know? You know what I'm saying? Unless the engine goes on your car. Who are you more like? Who are you more like? Nobody's answer. Yeah, that's right, isn't it, Tom? We're like the fool. We should be like the wise man. But see, here's what I'm trying to say is, and I'm talking to myself here, we got our focus wrong. We're focused on now. You don't even know if you have now. Everybody know that? You don't even know you have now. Okay, let's go on. His confidence in tragedy. He goes on, look at verse 25. 
When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. And here's what he's saying. The, a storm brings disaster to the wicked, but the righteous are more secure. A storm brings disaster to the wicked, but the righteous are secure. So you think about all those millions of people in Southern California that have to leave their homes and get out of Dodge because there's a fire coming, and then they go to the shelters, and nobody knows what's happening to their houses. And then they say, okay, you can go back. And so they go back, and some of them are okay. Some of them are just singed. Some of them are completely gone. And then you look on the news, and you see people, they're just like, where the hell is this going? And it's a terrible tragedy, but my friends, can I be honest with you? This is what Solomon is saying. The storm will bring disaster to the wicked because they don't have anything else. But listen, can I explain something to you? If everything was stripped away from you, you lost your land, you lost your house, you lost your job, is it all gone? Well, more so than your life, Tom. Yeah, you've got Christ. You've got salvation. You've got, you've got salvation. See, this is what Solomon's trying to tell us here. He's trying to tell you and I, the wicked are focused on now. But the righteous, no matter what happens, they have security. They have security. And let me just stop for a moment so that you understand that does not mean the righteous are exempt from bad things. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, you'll see that the righteous, Jesus even says the righteous, the law of the righteous is persecution, suffering, bad things. But what gets them through it is what? A hope for the future. A hope for the future. See, the wicked don't have any hope. The wicked don't have any hope. Okay, let's go on. Okay, now we've talked about tragedy. Here's going to talk about laziness again. Look at verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a lazy man to those who send him. I, I've never drank vinegar, have you? Some of you have. Is it enjoyable? Okay. Alright. And I know what it's like when we go up to the straws of the honey camp there and they got the big fire going in the, and I, I don't know, smoke follows ugly and it's always right there with me and it just stings my eyes, you know? It stings my eyes. It's, it's not a wonderful experience to have smoke in your eyes, is it? No, not at all. So this is the point. Just as vinegar and smoke irritate, so a sluggard aggravates his employers. Bruce is laughing because he knows he's a manager. It's like drinking vinegar, isn't it, Bruce? Yes, it's worse, actually. See, Solomon knows what he's talking about. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's rather irritating. Then notice now verse 27, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Okay, here's what he says. The fear of the Lord contributes to a long and prosperous life. The fear of the Lord contributes to a long and prosperous life. How does that happen? How does the fear of the Lord contribute to a long and prosperous life? If I have a fear of God, how is that going to prolong my days? 
Okay, you're going to try to do what you're supposed to be doing. Okay, good, Carol. Anybody else? How's that going to prolong my days? What am I not going to do? Because I fear God. Yeah, things that might get me killed or things that will eventually kill me. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because I fear God, I am not going to engage in activities that will what? Shorten my life or kill me. Now, all right, now let's look now. Here's what it says now. So just to make the point, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. Here's what he says about wickedness. Wickedness shortens life. And isn't that true? Wickedness shortens life. There is a tragedy that's being played out right here in this very county every week. And it is the death of our young people through such things as alcohol and drugs. And that's the reality. You guys need to wake up to the reality. Our young people, they're not living past 30, some of them. Because they have involved themselves in activities. We say, well, they just need to get in church. Well, nobody's inviting them to church. I'll just be honest with you. Or they've already gotten in their mind what church is. They don't understand what true Christianity is. But they're leading lives and they're enslaved. Once you, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When you get into drugs or when you get into alcohol, you get hooked. And it begins to own you. And all it is is just a downward spiral. And unless they come to their senses, and that's the issue, come to their senses... They're not going to get out of it. And they're being buried all around us here. They're being buried all around us. Just pay attention to the obituaries. I'm just being very honest with you. Pay attention to the obituaries. Just pay attention. So wickedness will shorten your life. Now here's the prospect for life. Look at verse 28. The righteous will experience the fulfillment of their hopes. The righteous will experience the fulfillment of their hopes. Can I be honest with you here today? If you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, nothing else for your salvation, I have to make that point because there are some who still do trust in other things. But if you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, you have the hope that is coming and one day you will experience the fulfillment of it and it will be beyond anything you can comprehend. The Scripture even tells us that. The eye has not seen nor the ear heard you cannot comprehend what is coming. All you know is one day it will be fulfilled. One day it will be fulfilled. And then notice something. Here's what it will happen. The wicked will see their hopes dashed. The wicked will see their hopes dashed. They're going to see them gone. Listen, when you've got a guy, who's that baseball player, Ted... Uh, he had his body frozen. Ted Williams. Great baseball player. Do you think his hopes are dashed? I mean, his body's frozen, but he ain't there. Well, I'm listening, listen to me. He wanted that to happen so that he could be brought back to life. You, I'm going to be honest with you. You already know just from his actions, he was not a believer, was he? He had no hope for the future. See, here's my point. You understand? Their hopes are going to be dashed. When he wakes up, he thinks he's coming back because they got technology. But when he wakes up, he saw Jesus. But he didn't see Jesus as we'll see Jesus. 
their hopes will be dashed. Their hopes will be dashed. Then notice the security, verse 29 and 30. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but the destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Verse 29, the way of the Lord. The ways of, the ways of God will be security for the righteous and disaster for the wicked. All right, notice now verse 30. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. If people live in righteousness, if people live in righteousness, they will enjoy the land. If not, they will face exile. If people live in righteousness, they will enjoy the land. If not, they will face exile. Then back to 31 and 32. We're back to the issue of speech again, and this is where we're going to finish up. Look at verse 31. The mouth of the righteous bring forth wisdom, but perverse, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Okay, so notice here, it's wise or perverse speech. The righteous speak words that bring forth wisdom. The righteous speak words that bring forth wisdom. And here again, the words of the wicked are worthless. The words of the wicked are worthless. They're worthless. They have no value. And then pleasing or perverse. Righteous... The righteous speak words that are acceptable. The righteous speak words that are acceptable. And again, notice again the point that he's making there in verse 32. The wicked speak words that are perverse and worthless. My goodness, is that not the media today? Is that not the media today where... You can't just have news today. You've got to have other stuff thrown in with news. Have you noticed that? You've got to have other stuff thrown in with the news. Like, we're supposed to know that. We need to know that stuff. Okay, let's uh, close our time in prayer.